0: tense negotiations, and the pressures of closing, while also getting insights on how to best navigate the public markets. Welcome back to the Insider's Guide to Finance. In today's episode, we're speaking with Nick Finler, CEO of gopublic.ai. Nick and his partners have come together to match entrepreneurs with financiers and brokers in raising capital and taking companies public on the junior Canadian stock markets for entrepreneurs. Looking to raise early stage capital, GoPublic.ai aims to educate and match them with good financing groups for brokers and financiers. Nick and his team are tackling the problem of finding good consistent deal flow. Their platform automates this process while also educating and preparing entrepreneurs for what it takes to deal in the public markets. A key area Nick and I discuss is that entrepreneurs need to understand, first, that venture stage financing is available in the public markets, and second, that it can be very comparable or a very comparable form of capital versus private venture capital. That said, you'll need to invest in and manage the expectations and communication to the public shareholders. Nick makes a point though, that there's also other benefits of being a public company. I'm thrilled that Nick and his team are doing this as we have a very unique junior public market system in Canada. It's attracting international attention with that more and more exciting opportunities will be coming to our markets and available for both retail and institutional investors alike. We talked through a number of points here about the pros and cons of being public, so be sure to take some notes. Enjoy the show. And before we get started here, I'm happy to host this episode with the support of Olympia Trust Company. Olympia is an outstanding provider of transfer agent and corporate trustee services, and they've been supporting the Canadian capital markets for well over 20 years. I can speak from experience that the team strives to deliver on their promise of making it personal. So thanks again to the team at Olympia. I encourage you to reach out to them anytime. You can find their contact information in the show notes. Welcome back to the Insider's Guide to Finance. Today, we're here with Nick Findler, CEO and co-founder of gopublic.ai. Nick, welcome back to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Corey. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this because we had you on before, and you're talking a lot about the world of public venture capital, marketing, digital marketing, and investor relations, and all of that experience is built on a career in the capital markets. And now you've created Go Public AI, which, when I heard about this, I was thrilled. I think you're really onto something. So. What do you say? We'll get you to give an introduction to yourself and a bit of background, and then we can start going into go public AI, and then talk more about that world that you're moving into.
2: Well, yeah, my kind of background is I've been in the capital markets here uh, in Vancouver for yeah, coming up on a decade now. Uh, my first uh, five or six years in the business, I was you know raising capital and uh, doing investor relations for. A number of public companies, and you know, just kind of cut my teeth learning the ins and outs, writing press releases, raising money, pitching to investors and brokers, and, and all the rest. And and then after I was kind of done doing that, I built a company called Edge Investments uh, with a gentleman named Kevin Matheson. Kev still runs the business and still you know one of my closest friends to this day, and he's yeah just killing it. And then you know after that was done, I was actually on the board of the CPC and realized that. The sort of process of finding private companies to go public was incredibly fragmented. And Most of the deal flow that our board of directors was seeing was either sent from somebody's uncle or their broker was sending some random deck, or, you know, there was no real systemized way of doing it. And so I saw a lot of people that were putting these transactions together where they, you know, they know a private kind of company, they know a broker, and they put the two sides together to help transactions happen and to, you know, find these businesses that, you know, really needed this growth capital. But I thought to myself that, you know, there there had to be a better way. And so I teamed up with a couple of really smart people to build GoPublic AI. And, and what we've done is we've really create a proprietary system of identifying companies from around the world that might not even know that they're a good fit to go public. We get in touch with them. We explain the public markets, how they work. We put them through an educational tutorial, you know, what it actually means to go public, what's the timelines involved, costs, who's all the advisors that you need. And so we run them through all that uh, educational information and then we actually vet them. So we ask them 60 of the most probing questions that are important for anyone that, you know, might look to put a deal together with this company. We want to get a real look under the hood. And so that culmination of getting that, you know, that initial intel, which we then use our artificial intelligence on top of to drive correlations between current public companies in the market and other companies in our database to try and figure out which companies will be the best fit to go public, starting with the, you know, the TSX and the CSE. So we're really excited. We're vetting about two to 300 companies a month right now. We're looking to scale that to, you know, a thousand plus companies a month. And we're just hoping to kind of hand select, you know, the top one or 2% of these deals to then connect with all the right pieces, the right brokers, the right financiers, the right deal makers, the right shells, And so we kind of act as a a Sherpa or a, you know, conductor for the go public transaction. And what I think makes our business quite unique is our business model for one We're a completely 100% success based firm. So we go to the private company. We say, Hey, you know, we really like what you guys are doing. If you're fit with some of our investors and financiers and shells, you know, we'll raise you, you know, one to $25 million. If we're able to do that and get you public, you know, we'd like to have a, you know, some shares in the business on the back of a public transaction. And then when we go to the brokerage community, the financiers, we say, Look, you know, we want to bring you companies that have already been educated on the process that have already been 80% vetted. We just want to bring you better access to deal flow so that it makes your life easier. So you don't need to spend three, four hours on the phone, you know, trying to educate these founders on what the Go public process is like. We want to take that work off your plates. So in the next week or two we've got a deal platform that's going live where financiers, brokers, investors will be able to go and see all these companies that are coming through our proprietary system and so that they can select it. So say we've got a broker at Canaccord that you know, likes psychedelic deals and wants to see minimum revenue of 500 k and you know, wants to have you know, a founder that's you know, exited a business before. We can essentially custom curate these companies that are coming through our pipes to connect with the right people. So I guess that's it in a nutshell.
0: Well, it's, there's a lot here. And and something I think for those who are in the world of the brokerage industry, those who are financiers, those who are, you know, deal groups, I think just hearing what you said there was enough for them to say, shit, we understand we need this. And you know, I've been through that pain as well. The amount of due diligence and go forward and back and forth trying to figure out if a deal is a potential fit for a shell or for a CPC it's mind-numbing. It takes a tremendous amount of work. Now, what I do want to talk about though is for those who are looking at GoPublic AI as an option to access capital, let's talk about the Canadian junior markets. I'm a big fan of what we have when it comes to the TSXV, the Toronto Stock Exchange Venture, and the CSE, the Canadian Stock Exchange. And Where I want to go with that is that we're starting to become known as a place to access capital as an alternative to traditional venture capital. So, can you talk us through how that works? Or if I was a venture company or an early stage company looking to access capital, what do I need to know at a high level? And then let's dive into that.
2: Yeah, well, I, think, I think the first thing to know is you know, most companies that are in that sort of early growth stage you know, they don't even realize that there's, you know, public markets that could support their business. You know, it's so often that, you know, the US, the sort of private VC world is, you know, taking all the value all the way up until it's a 25, $30 billion company, and then it goes public. You know, we've always in Canada have this really entrepreneurial public venture capital system, which can be extremely supportive to growth companies. And I think for growth companies, they've really got to look at what is the lowest cost of capital to finance my business and you know also can you know these public offerings on the TSXV
1: and the CSE can it drive other value because you know there's lots of benefits to going public such as you know access to capital is a huge one one is you know recognition of your company and brand help you close more deals attract more talent You can offer your employees stock options that are actually liquid and they can actually make money off of not only in the event of a you know your company selling so those are just a you know a few i guess the other one to mention too is acquisition strategies you know say you're you know a company in you know the trucking space and you're looking to you know roll up you know all the other competitors having a public vehicle allows you to issue shares for those businesses instead of having to take cash off your balance sheet. So, you know, there's a lot of advantages to, you know, to going public. And I think those are just a few of them.
0: Man, there's a lot there. Something that I think is interesting is that, or that should be kept in mind by entrepreneurs looking to access potentially public capital or venture capital is that venture capital can put some tremendous hooks into your deal, into the life of your company. And they'll have more say than potentially the public markets would. And so it's what I really like to emphasize when talking about the differences there is what is that cost of capital? So what's the cost in the actual economic terms, but then potentially the future terms of what does that deal mean for you, whether it's private equity or private venture capital or public? Now, let's bring it to what a good deal would be. As a public company, one of somebody who you and I both know, and you know somebody who's been tremendously successful in the space of public venture capital, is Praveen Varshney. And what he shared with me was, you know, really he looks for either growth stocks or growth opportunities or yield opportunities. And if you can be both of those in the public markets, you will be a market darling. Now, what are the characteristics of good public market candidate for the junior space?
1: I think you hit the nail on the head with, with the growth story. You know, the public markets really lends itself to, you know, to businesses that, you know, kind of have that hockey stick potential. And so, you know, the businesses that grow at 10, 15% a year consistently over the next 10 years is a great business, but it doesn't lend itself extremely well to capturing the attention and the potential of the venture capital community. And so... You know, most investors that are buying shares in the TSXV, you know, they're buying shares at, you know, 25, 30, 50 cents, and they're hoping they can ride that to $5 in the next few years. And so those companies that have the potential to have that, you know, really exciting growth story, you know, really tend to perform well on our exchanges. So really finding businesses that, you know, have that potential and also businesses that people can understand. And businesses that, you know, you can craft a story around it so that, the you know, the average guy that's in Winnipeg that's got, you know, $150,000 to put into the market, there's an opportunity for him to, you know, understand what this business is doing and how it's going to grow. So, you know, I think having the growth story, having a story that people can understand, and then having the right team and marketing groups in place to disseminate that story I think those are, are sort of three of the most important factors in sort of choosing what business will be successful.
0: Let's build on point three there. If I was to go and take my company through GoPublic AI, and it came out that, you know, I'm certainly a candidate for public venture capital. What happens then? Because you end up having to bring on new partners in ways, the same way you'd bring on a VC partner. What should I know as an entrepreneur bringing on those partners as, because they become part of the team in helping finance in the world of public venture capital?
1: Yeah, I think it's so incredibly important to, you know, align with people that share similar worldviews and, you know, something that we think a lot about our company is, you know, what are those worldviews as a company that we really care about and how do we align with, Founders and with businesses that share those same worldviews. And so, you know, with capital, a company is powerful in being able to push that worldview further and further into the world. And I think it's a beautiful form of diversity when you've got all these different companies that are well capitalized that all have their own opinion of what the world should look like. And I think aligning with, you know, with people, with investors, with marketing groups with a board of directors that all share that same vision, it becomes more than about dollars and cents at that point. It becomes about actually creating real impact and hopefully changing humanity. I mean it's great to make a couple bucks and we all want to do it, but you know I think when we rest our head down at night or at least I do, I I want to know that you know the work that I'm putting in every day, you know, has a chance to make a difference. And I think that's why I got so excited about starting this company is because it actually gives our team the ability to figure out which worldviews we want to push further into the world. Like what are the teams and the founders that, you know, whether it's with ageless living or creating, you know, health tech products that help people that are sick and injured. You know, there's so many ways that you can have impact. And I think really aligning everyone's values and visions for the business is incredibly important.
0: Yeah, I think that certainly is important. And it doesn't matter who you're bringing on as an investor. But one of the things I've certainly heard from, I mean, probably all of the interviews I've done in some ways, you also have to do your due diligence on those who are investing in you and set those terms. So let's talk about some of the differences, though, between raising capital, if it was just venture capital, or public venture capital regulatory requirements, the hooks of the VCs versus the hooks of the public markets, comparative cost of capital. I mean, there's a lot of things we can go about talking through. Where to start? What are some of those key differences if I was to be a, a public company versus a privately funded company?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the, the capital raising process is quite a bit different. So if you look at traditional private VC or you know the founder can spend a few years trying to raise that round and that kind of consumes, you know, all of his attention and that I find quite frustrating because he should be focused on building his business. And so what I think is interesting about the public venture capital space is if you connect with, you know, the right brokers, the right groups, you know, they can take a lot of that burden off your plate if they love your story. And so, you know, there's different costs of capital, but there's also costs of opportunity time and opportunity costs of, you know spending the next year trying to raise this round, or you can try and access the you know public markets and if you you know you catch the right cord with a few different brokers, they can really take a lot of that work off your plate, which I think is is something to be considered. As for the like the hooks in of a of a public business, yes, there's more regulatory burden, and so there's this costs that are involved with that. There's also you know a little bit more complexity. you need to have a team that's very You know, capable of running a public company, capable of doing the investor relations, the marketing. So it does add a little bit more complexity to the business. You know, that comes with the advantages of the increased awareness of your company out there in the marketplace. And, you know, I've seen, you know, I've seen a few businesses where, you know, your shareholders can become your biggest cheerleaders. And, you know, Mm. I've seen shareholders get a CEO a meeting of like a big company because they want to see the stock price go up. Yeah. yeah. So I think the Golden State Warriors had an interesting t-shirt during their NBA finals run, and they always said strength in numbers. And it's, you know, how do you create strength in numbers through, you know, from the founder level through the people financing your company to your shareholders? Like, how do you create this like really aligned capital structure that can help propel the business?
0: Yeah. I want to make something clear though, that because it's not easy to be a public company. And oftentimes I've heard people say that when you run a public company, it's almost like running two companies. And I think that any founder needs to be aware of that because handling the regulatory requirements, constant disclosures, and then it comes to your investor relations. you know, Getting out there, making sure you're in front of investors, keeping the story top of mind, explaining what the catalysts are gonna be for growth so people are buying into your future potential. All of that does take a lot of work. And so I just want to point that out because I think it would be a bit of a fallacy if you and I were not to do that. When it comes together, though, how does it come together well? Like I think, you know, I could think of who was the name of, I mean, some of the cannabis companies as an example. When cannabis was hot, that was, you know, companies made a huge name for themselves and they did it through public venture capital.
1: Yeah, there's, you know, you're seeing that happen with the plant-based sector right now. And you're seeing that happen with the psychedelic sector and, you know, it really can create a lot of positive buzz for your company, but you're completely right. It really does take a village. And so, you know, that's a big part of what we do is, you know, we're, you know, building this initial relationship with a private company and we kind of act as their compass you know, as they go through each step of the road, you know who's the right corporate secretaries to bring on, who's the right auditors to do it, who's the right legal, and like do all those three pieces like working together because that can save you a ton of time and money and headache. And so you know, us being you know, experienced in you know, putting these deals together and continuing to gain more experience as we kind of go along and, and continue to complete transactions, You know, it it can create a lot of synergies uh, for these companies without them having to do, you know, as much of the heavy lifting and fact finding themselves.
0: Mm, Yeah. Let's talk about timelines. You touched on it earlier. The process of raising capital going through a public market and through potentially go public AI. If I come, I've got a good story and I get aligned with a group and I need to raise five million bucks to meet the goals that I have. What's that timeline? What are the requirements? People talk about sponsors and funding groups. There's a CPC program. I mean, I know I'm just bringing more questions to this than we'll be able to give answers for right now, but pick some of those and can you tell me about what those need to be?
2: I mean, the general process for us is, you know, we reach out to companies, they come in, they take our assessment, which they answer 60 questions about everything from past revenues to management success, how much money the principals have put into the business you know, growth trajectory? Do they have IP? Once we've got that information, we then go and say, okay, well, you know, this would be a good fit with this broker, this financier, this shell, this marketing group. And so we start putting the pieces together. So the timeline is, you know, once we've found some financiers that are interested in financing the deal, you know, we'll bring everyone together. If there's a fit, and the next step is, you know, getting audited financials. You've got to get two years audited financials, which can take 30 days. That process typically costs twenty five to $40,000
1: roughly. Then you've got to find the legal group, you know, that takes $150,000 and can take, a you know, 45, 60 days. And so there is these processes, which we help private businesses go through. And, you know, I, I just time- want to
0: point something out: it doesn't take 150 grand to start to have discussions with potential financiers. It's once you lock into a deal, you're going out to raise the capital, then you've got to buckle down and and pay that money to become public. Just, you know, that's a great
2: point. And, you know, there's lots of creative ways to do that. You know, if you've got financiers that want to see this deal happen, and the company doesn't have the money to get public, you know, it's in their best interest to make sure the company has the money to get public. So that's, often a hurdle that's pretty easily overcome. So, yeah. you know, and you've will, seen,
0: we've seen cases where the financing group will come in and do a bridge loan.
2: Basically. Yeah, you, you see that very often. So essentially how that would work is, you know, the, say it takes, you know, 200 grand to get public, the, the financing group will loan the 200 grand to the, Company with really strict provisions for what the money is to be spent on. And once they raise the capital, they're just paid back the loan. So, you know, I, I like seeing those transactions because, you know, everyone's actually in bed together and now we're working together towards the same goal. So, yeah, depending on if you've got audited financials or not, if you do, it, it can speed up the timeline 30 days or so. If you don't, that's totally fine. Uh, you typically see deals get done. I've seen them done as quick as. Sixty or seventy days. But that's normally not the case. It, it's normally you know between the three or four months mark from you know the time that we find the financiers to the time that you're you know you're trading publicly and and now you've created a liquidity opportunity for the investors that have backed you since day one. You know, which is you know for private companies, it's it's tough to get that liquidity. You know, yeah. people put a lot of trust in the businesses early on, and you know maybe it's been five years and. You know, now the company is public and now it gives, you know, the opportunity for those shareholders to, you know, maybe exit some of their position and you get some new shareholders that are looking to be along for the, the next journey.
0: Yeah. I want to point out that something I find in the world of venture capital, you might have two or three investors who have put a lot of money in and they've got a portfolio of companies they put that money into Whereas if you're a publicly listed company and you're building along, you can provide liquidity to those early investors and you start hitting your milestones, you can go back to market and raise more capital. The thing is, is with venture capital, you might run into an issue where maybe you haven't hit those multiples you needed to like absolutely bang on. They look and they go, no, we're just not in. We've changed our mind. We're going over here and doubling down, or our fund doesn't have the capital to put in. So you become high and dry, you become a uh, loss, or maybe they force a sale on you. Maybe they, you know, they're know, they sitting on the board, they say, you're going to become the next aqua hire for one of our investments. And you're cut off at the knees. So it's, I mean, these are just, you know, parts of the things that people have to keep in mind when evaluating two alternatives for accessing capital. Yeah, I think something
2: else that should be addressed, is, you know, a lot of companies that come to us say like, you know, we like the idea of going public, and we need money, but like we don't want to lose control of our business. And so, I think that's a pretty common fallacy. As I think I see most well-structured deals that come together, you know, the the initial company will you know remain to own seventy or eighty percent of the you know the publicly listed vehicle. You know, fifteen percent of that will go to raising capital for the next rounds of the company's finance, and then. You know, 5% or so typically goes to the shell. So it's often, I mean, the, I mean, deals come in all different shapes and sizes, but there's typically a way to protect yourself that you're not giving up control of your company.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to jump and change gears here. I want to point this out. I often get asked, um, can companies outside of Canada list on our Canadian exchanges and use this as a capital formation tool? The answer is yes, but tell us more about this.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a question that we get really often is, you know, a company from the U.S., or from Europe, or from Asia, or from wherever it is, like, well, I, can we list in Canada? And the answer is yes. And, you know, the great thing about these today's exchanges is, you know, they've really looked to, you know, to lower the barrier of entry. You know, there is still a barrier of entry with, you know, reported audits and financials and all that, but... You know, they really have, you know, allowed for companies all shapes and sizes from all different walks of life and geographies to come together on these Canadian exchanges and create value for their shareholders. So, yeah, I wouldn't be discouraged if you were a company, you know, from the U.S. or from from wherever it may be. You know, the Canadian markets are really an efficient way for, you know, entrepreneurial venture capital.
0: Yes. Yeah. The next thing is a formula for success as a public company and we have touched on this and I I feel like we have many more conversations to do because there's a lot of questions that I'm sure will be asked but if you were to give a high level summary of what is that formula for success of being a public company what is that
1: great management making sure that the right people are in the right seats that are running the company having people involved that have had previous success makes it a lot easier to attract capital and you know obviously as you navigate the road of you know your company over the next 5 years you want to have you know the best people leading the charge you know the companies that are on the TSX and CSE they're not typically super established businesses that are you know can run regardless of who's at the helm the jockeys really make up a big piece of the pie here and you know we've had these conversations but you know as an investor you know i want to invest in companies with the you know strongest management teams possible so i think management team would be number 1
0: so that pedigree of team
1: yeah pedigree and yeah and competence of team uh, is incredibly important two making sure you're well capitalized and making sure you've got enough money to get to the next milestones and enough margin for error because things never go how you think they're going to go yep so planning for the future, and not you know not planning that you're going to hit at a perfect ten, like making sure you've got enough capital to weather a coronavirus or whether not hitting sales targets or increased costs here or whatever it is. So making sure you're well capitalized is incredibly important. Um, your story, what story that you're communicating to all the stakeholders involved, in it. and that's a big role of the CEO. What is the strategy and the mission and the vision? of the business and how do we boil that down to something simple that, you know, everyone can understand. I think it's incredibly important. Yeah. I would say those are for me, the three most important parts. Maybe I'm missing something that comes to mind for you.
0: Yeah, no, I think it really is that. And I mean, to me, there's gotta be a good story though. There's gotta be a good narrative and clear and believable trajectory of how you're going to do what you're going to do. Because without that, there's nothing for those investors or the brokers or bankers to really bite into. And I do believe that emotion trumps logic. So you have to give a really compelling story, but you got to back it up with the economics that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. there's a combination there. And arguably, the story you tell there to the public market isn't very different from that that you'd be telling to a VC. You just got to do it more often. And you got to keep in front of these investors and keep these bankers engaged. So they look and they go, that's the deal I want to be a part of. It's really not that different. You know, Nick- I think think one more thing I'll
2: add to that too, is there's a certain point when the rubber hits the road and the story has to match the- Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and so being able to be realistic about that and and be able to hit what you say you can hit.
0: Yeah, I think that's a huge point. You got to be able to build, I mean, let's face it. You got to build some hype. But then you got to be able to deliver. And so that's part of what it takes to be a public company. But man, we've we've seen some tremendous successes that have put Canada on the map as a place of, you know, somewhere it's easy to do business. And they used our markets to access that capital. So yeah, it's good stuff. Let's aim to wrap up here. Yeah. Go public AI, what you're doing there. And final thoughts for the audience. As I said, I think anybody who is in the world of the brokerage industry or the finance industry, as soon as they heard your first, you know three minutes of speech, they were like, I need to speak to this guy because you're hitting a real problem for them. What are the final thoughts though, for those entrepreneurs who are looking to access capital?
1: Yeah. I mean, I encourage them to educate themselves and to look at what are all the options for my business for growth and don't be intimidated by the public markets. Cause I see that a lot in founders that are just kind of, they don't understand it. So they don't, sort of do the due diligence to figure out if this is actually a good fit for our business. And so uh, I encourage them to reach out to our team. Uh, You can go to our website at www.gopublic.ai. At the very top of the website, there is a banner for private companies looking to go public. They can get in touch with me directly if they're interested in learning more. My email is nick at gopublic.ai. It's pretty simple. And yeah, I just, I encourage companies to, to look at the Canadian capital markets as an opportunity to really grow and expand your business, and, and I'll give a quick shout out to the team over at the Very Good Butchers and you know my really good friend Kevin Matheson. You look at a business like that that you know was you know raising money at fifteen or twenty five cents six months ago. You know they've got they had you know a couple million dollars in sales with an aggressive growth trajectory hitting in a really good, you know, really, you know, sexy market that the, you know, the public can understand. We've seen all these Netflix documentaries about people going vegan and all the health benefits of it. And if you can really tap into these trends, you look at that stock, it's gone from, you know, 25 cents on the IPO and it's, uh, it's trading at, you know, eight or nine bucks now, oh, and it's got a seven or $800 million market cap. And wow. so now that, you know, they've raised, you know, 40, $50 million dollars over the last six months for a business that, you know, was not, you know, in the limelight six months ago. And so I think it's really exciting to share those stories. And I commend the team over at Vary. And I really commend Kevin, what they're doing at Edge for, you know, coming up with these new innovative ways to tell the story to interested parties that want to invest in these companies.
0: Wow. What a high note, man. That's awesome. And what a success story. So Nick, thanks so much. This has been great. Thanks, Corey. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insider's Guide to Finance. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit as well. You can also subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or the Play Store. Your support there is really appreciated. For future episodes, if there's a question, topic, or specific person you'd like me to interview, feel free to reach out. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or through my website at creativereturn.ca.